Monica, Monica, I have to say this is so exciting. You were my first guest on my podcast and I'm so excited to get into your story. And I have a feeling that most of my listeners actually know who you are. I think we have a lot of crossover with the women that we speak to, but I'm just going to turn it over to you, who you are and your own podcast. And then, um, yeah, I want to dive into your story because you have a very unique perspective um, you know, baby through IVF, natural baby, and there's just so much in between all of that. And um, I want to just explore and unpack all of that. So I'll turn that over to you and introduce yourself and we'll go from there. Yeah. Hi guys. I'm Monica from Finding Fertility. If you don't know who I am, I'm honored if you do know who I am. Um, it gives me chills that like we're out here supporting and helping other women not have to go through as much drama as, um, well, particularly I did. <laughs> um, but yeah, I got into the fertility space basically because I had my own very long epic journey to parenthood. And um, after I got pregnant naturally, after eight years, a lot of medical assistance, um, that's when I kind of was like, this information needs to be out there that we as women have so much more control of our fertility health than maybe society or doctors or fertility special specialists are letting us know. And I don't think they're keeping it a secret because they don't know. I really truly believe that they don't know because I feel like they're all very smart, intelligent people. And if they just gave functional medicine some time, they would, they would go, Oh yes, that makes sense. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it makes sense. Right. Um, I agree totally when you, you can't completely throw the whole like baby out with the bathwater. That's a terrible analogy in this situation, but it's like, they're going through very specific training through a very specific lens of the Western medical paradigm. And so they come out the other side and that's all they know. They have this toolbox and that is how they're going to treat everything that they come across without realizing that maybe there's other tools that you could put in your toolbox. Maybe there's other toolboxes altogether. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really love about integrative medicine. It's really combining the best of both worlds and really meshing those two worlds together. But yeah, I would love to talk about the beginning of your fertility journey um, because we both work with a lot of high achieving women, right? And you're a very high achieving woman, very goal oriented, high expectations, right? So when we have this plan to get pregnant, start our family, right? We instantly map out our due date when it's all going to happen. And Ooh, I can fit that in before so-and-so's wedding and right. And then it doesn't happen on our timeline, whether that's three months in three years in, we start to really panic. We start to really doubt is our body made for this? Mm -hmm. All of this fear comes up. We start making decisions out of fear. It just feels like this rat race of trying to find the solution. And, yeah. and I think, you know, I'm just speaking from experience. I mean, I was willing to do anything at the time I had my, <laughs> I wasn't so bought into Western medicine at the time, just because I had a long history before that. So I knew I didn't want to go down that route the very first try but I know a lot of women, they do go into Western medicine because that is all that they know. And yeah, so I'd exactly. love to speak about your experience, just, you know, start to finish, like the consults, the appointments, the tests, 
how you were feeling with everything, the support or lack thereof, um, up until you did conceive with your, with your baby through that process? Yeah. I mean, I guess I want to say I was just normal, like typical person walking through life. I mean, I was fit. I was working. I was healthy. Um, I wasn't, you know, going to hospital every day or anything like that. I was, I had regular periods. Um, so there was no big warning signs for me that fertility was going to be an issue. And then it just didn't happen and it didn't happen and it didn't happen. And I mean, it was, um, I think I didn't realize how much I actually drank to like repress those emotions, which obviously wasn't helping the situation. (laughs) Um, But I didn't know at the time that alcohol had such a big influence on your gut health. And at the end of the day, that was literally what was causing my infertility. And um, yeah, I mean, I have friends who met their partner, got married and had two kids before I even had my first. So, I mean, we're talking a really long time psychologically, like, yeah, my body can't do this. Right. And during the time, um, Instagram wasn't invented. Facebook had just like kind of come up on the scene. Um, and we had these like weird fertility chat rooms, which I guess you can equate to like a Facebook group now. Um, but there was no one out there, like no community that I found that was talking about your overall health and well-being. It was literally talk about doing anything. Like I took every supplement that was going on the counter. I saw acupuncturist, a reflexologist, an iridologist. Um, you know, I obviously had all the tests done and nothing came back. And we were living in Scotland at the time, the first three years, and then we moved to Yorkshire. And um, so we kind of had to restart um, the journey, get the test done with the doctors down there. And the doctor was just like, well, we know you're ovulating, so I'm not going to do IUI, which I'm super grateful that at least that was probably the smartest thing that anyone said to me (laughs) during the whole journey. Um, Critical thinking. Okay, awesome. Moving forward. (laughs) And, um, And then it was IVF. And, um, the heartbreaking thing about the IVF, and I know this might sound really silly, but I thought we were going to get it on the NHS, which is the national health service in great Britain. But at the time they started doing these postcode lotteries where, um, certain counties weren't paying for IVF anymore. Um, and it's a really big hot topic for debate over in the United kingdom. And we just happened to be one of those. And that was like the devastating thing is like, okay, now we have to pay out of pocket for all this treatment. And um, we did, and we went in so blindly. I mean, I guess because there wasn't like, I mean, you go to Amazon right now and you can literally find 50 really helpful books on IVF, on natural stuff, on, you know, autoimmune, all these things, right? Like, but when I was going through it, it just wasn't like that. So we went very blindly into this procedure and just listened to what the doctors had to say. And um, it was a shambles. Like it was literally a shit show. And at 30 years old, I was told that I had poor aid quality and there was nothing I could do and just try another round of IVF. 
And me and my husband back up for one second, because this is so common, right? We get the diagnosis of poor egg quality, right? And, oh, well, we can try IVF, but it's probably not going to even be successful. So why don't we just talk about donor eggs right now? Mm. And it's like, well, what information are you basing all of that off of? Oftentimes it's just a high AMH or a low AMH and high FSH. That's it. Yeah. A lot of times IVF isn't even used. I mean, that's the only way you can really go in and see what your embryo quality is doing is through IVF. So before that, there was no mention. I didn't have like crazy stats. I know I had like a little bit of a low AMH, but like they weren't overly concerned. But when we went through the whole process, we only collected like 13 eggs. Um, I don't even know the numbers that like um, became embryos, but I know we had four really fragmented, unhealthy looking embryos. And that's without testing. They just were looking at them like, "Mm, that's not good. And they put two back in and obviously it didn't even take. Um, But their answer was just to um, try it again. And we sat in the doctor's office going, well, are you going to change the like medicine at least? And they're like, no. And that just, we had, once again, we're still really naive on all aspects of, of the journey. And that just didn't sit right with us. We're like, why are we going to pay you thousands of dollars to do the exact same thing again, just to see if it works? It just was like, and that's kind of, I guess, the first wake up call for us. And um, we were just really lucky. One of our best friends, um, he was on his own personal health journey and we were sat in Hyde Park and he just said, you should change your diet. And we were just looking at him like, we're fit, healthy. Like, I'm like, you know, I'm not obese. Like there's like, I don't have bad acne. Like all these things that you you like relate to um, being healthy. And he's just like, no, I'm telling you right now that you guys have a crap diet and you drink too much and it's affecting your fertility. And he was so um, passionate about it. He was like, I'll pay for your health coaching because obviously health coaching is expensive. And um, we had just like spent thousands of dollars on IVF. And we're like, that's very kind. (laughs) We'll take your... um, your advice, but we're not going to take your money. And then that's kind of when life shifted uh, dramatically for the, for the both of us. Um, my husband wasn't really on board with the diet and lifestyle, well, the diet changes. Um, and a few months into it, I just, I was by myself. I had no, I mean, other than my coach, but um, you know, you only really connect with them at the time. Like he didn't have any group coaching. There was no like community that you can go into once a week or anything like that. It was like literally like your session, I don't know, every few weeks. And that was it. Like everyone thought I was like gone crazy, right? Like you're changing your diet. This is crazy. Like you really want a baby that bad. And I was just kind of like, yeah, I guess I do. I guess I do really want it that bad. And um So we had a very heated argument and that was the only argument we ever had over infertility. Um, And I just said, if you can't do this with me to the best of your abilities, um, I'm not doing another round of IVF. Like I just, I just can't do it. And um, so we did. (laughs) And yeah, I improved things that I didn't realize needed to be improved. Um, on a physical side of things. So like, um, like stool issues, um, throat issues, snotty nose issues, you know, just little things that everyone thinks common. 
And then we went back to do another round of IVF because I still wasn't pregnant naturally. And we went to a new clinic. I had discovered about auto or not autoimmune issues per se, but um, like high natural killer cells and other things that could be going on in your body. It's um, is your body baby friendly, that book. Mm -hmm. Um, So we went to a clinic that was doing the controversial testing at the time. And um, the consulting doctor um, basically looked at us, reviewed our notes and said, you're not a candidate for it because you're not having reoccurring miscarriages. Just try another round of IVF and see what happens. (laughs) And so we did and we got better embryos. So we knew that the diet and the lifestyle stuff was working. Um, But I didn't even make it to day 28 on that round of IVF with an incredibly good looking embryo and on obviously all the hormonal drugs that you use. And, um, that was like devastating. That was probably like the lowest point for me because it was like, what else do I have to do? I've changed so much of my life. Um, and you know, I printed out a surrogacy application because I was like, my body can't do this. Um, and yeah, it was just really devastating. And once again, there was just no one around to like, you know, support like that mental and emotional aspect of it. Right. But anyways, I picked myself up because I think that's what, um, us type a women do, whether it's a good or bad thing. Right. And we demanded the testing. And even after a year of being on a very strict paleo diet, you know, massively reducing my alcohol intake, getting better sleep, all those things, I still had high natural killer cells. And at that point, it was a very silent, like I wasn't having my stool issues. I wasn't having my throat issues. You know, I wasn't having any issues. And um, we were just over the moon that that was, we finally got a diagnosis, you know, like that was like five years, I think of unexplained infertility. And um, we went back with, um, for a frozen embryo transfer using the immune suppressing drugs and, Um, that was my first pregnancy and my first miscarriage. So it was a whole bag of emotions. And I think still at this point, I was still pushing things down because I, uh, I should have been taking care of myself, but then obviously looking on the bright side, but I feel like I just looked on the bright side of things. I could get pregnant. Like finally, like I had proof that this could happen for me. And so I just went back to the drawing board again. And that's when I found the paleo mom and autoimmune issues and gut health. And then that's when I discovered through elimination diet that it was highly intolerant to things like paprika, tomatoes, like all the nightshades. Cause I had already cut everything else out of my diet. Yeah. So now it was Except like for massive amounts of nightshades. Yeah. And I was eating going. a lot of them, like fresh peppers on my salads, fresh tomatoes on my salads. I love chili, obviously spaghettis, like gluten-free spaghettis or whatever, bolognese. And, um, my one remaining symptom, which I didn't think was a very big symptom, um, went away, uh, within three weeks of changing this diet. So we went back and what was that did, symptom? <laughs> it was, oh, it's pretty embarrassing. <laughs> I used to get this like goo in my stools. So it was yeah, like a like snotty, the yeah, the mucus. And that, mm-hmm. it didn't happen a lot, um, but that was like the last symptom. And yeah, it just, yeah. it just disappeared. So I 
now know my body very well and what type of state my gut is in. Um, yeah. And I actually, I'm pretty sure I was infertile at like 17. I'm pretty sure that my gut health was so bad back then. I, I basically got signs of an ulcer as a teenager. So these issues for me were, you know, very, they started very young and because no one knew any better, like I had my tonsils out. I was always having, you know, I had to scrape my adenoids, like all these little health symptoms that are, I guess are normal for kids for me just added up to big immune issues later in life. And my big symptom was infertility. Yeah. So we went back with that knowledge. Um, and I got pregnant on our second frozen embryo transfer. And that is my first IVF baby mm-hmm. and my only IVF baby. My, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was, because I didn't have the support once again, or even the knowledge at that time. Um, I was like, just so hyper on what I ate and what I did. And I was so strict and I would, cause I was just terrified that I was going to miscarry. Um, but I didn't, and I had a beautiful pregnancy. And once again, at the end of my, my pregnancy, when I was due, I got shuttled into the compartments of, of, you know, being an older mom. So I think I was 35 and he was IVF. So that's, you're at higher risk for some reason. And, um, yeah, ended up having a pretty traumatic birth that was induced, didn't work and ended up having an emergency C-section with him. Mm -hmm. And, um, I think it was just once again, not having that confidence or even that support of standing up for myself. Like I know I'm high risk because I'm IVF and I, I personally believe that you're probably more high risk because your health isn't good enough. I mean, it sounds really harsh and I feel like I can say it's like, you know, like fat girls can talk about fat girls a certain way because you're in the same group, right? Like being an IVF mom, I'm like, my health wasn't good enough. So I went for medical treatment and to support me through that journey. And when you become pregnant, if your health isn't at a certain level, you are at such higher risks for everything else that could possibly go wrong during pregnancy. So I think they just put me in that category, Mm -hmm. even though that like, that wasn't the case for me. And, um, obviously the age we get that through our fertility and through our pregnancies, that is like such a big thing. And it was completely BS because it needs to come down to your health, not your, your stats, your test numbers or your age number, whatever. You said that so beautifully. And I think that's, that's the, the perspective I have on this whole, just like medical treadmill, um, kind of conveyor belt. It's you're a number. Are you on the upper range, the lower range? You go put into this box, go through this algorithm. And like, there's no critical thinking. There's no looking at the woman in front of you, their mm-hmm. journey, their, their emotional well-being, what they need support with. And that's the piece that's missing. And I talk yeah. about the, the change in the fertility industry that is happening right now. And women are waking up to understanding that I don't want any part of that. I know I need support, but I know that I'm not going to get the support I need here. Yeah. You know, and unless you, you, you said it best of 
okay, if I, you know, if I do need to take this route, I, you know, having that advocacy and that empowerment and knowing your body, you know, what it takes these days is just going in deep and almost, you know, being a fertility specialist, going yeah. down every drug and every treatment and understanding the risks because you're not going to get the informed consent. Yeah. You're not going to get, oh, by the way, here are all the side effects. Oh, by the way, um, you will be a high risk pregnancy. Oh, by the way, you know, none of this is talked about. So you almost have to go into this being your own advocate. Yeah. And that's really hard to do when you are, you're doubting your own body's ability mm -hmm. to even get pregnant. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it, I think just zooming way out the, sometimes the opportunity of a fertility journey like this is women coming home to their power, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes 100%. it's just the hardest journey of all, but we do come home to our power. Did you yeah. feel like, I know that you had the, the traumatic birth and a healthy baby now, but was there ever a moment where you looked back at that and really said, you know what, I'm a badass. Like I am, <laughs> I'm a mama bear at this point. Um, were you like cultivating your power or was it still kind of fragmented as you? No, I wouldn't say at that stage. Um, yeah, I think it was us, you know, even though I was doing a lot of mental and emotional work, I still wasn't going like super deep. You know, I kind of was doing, you know, the circle and bloom was the first thing that I ever did with meditation or visualization, which was great because um, it really helped me focus on that aspect of the journey. Um, but no, it was, you know, I, I was just soaking up my baby. Like I really just took that time. I mean, I qualified as a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner at that time, but I didn't really know exactly what I was going to do with it. I just knew that I was talking about it a lot and I wanted kind of more knowledge and, you know, kind of a qualification in a group to support that journey. And, um, when we, Due to like a lot of different circumstances, we never tried naturally after um, Ira was born because um, we knew we were going to do this. We had two more embryos and we knew we wanted to go back for them. And due to like my husband being away, me breastfeeding, uh, he went to countries with the Zika virus. So we couldn't try naturally. We had to you know, use protection because we knew we were going to go back and we knew they were going to say, you can't, <laughs> we can't do it if you're not. Um, so I, I, I had, I knew that getting pregnant naturally was a possibility, but I didn't, you never, we wouldn't put it into place. Yeah. And what I say to people now who really talk, you know, women who have carried a child, whether it's from donor egg or donor embryo or um, their own biological, you're not infertile anymore. And mm -hmm. the fact of the matter is you never were, yeah. but you couldn't prove it. So subconsciously you're like, I can't say that about myself. Mm -hmm. And I was still in that stuck stage, right? Just because you can't prove it, it means like you're not allowed to say it out loud, right? Or maybe you just want to hold on to that because that's been your identity for so long. Um, so I just was all encompassed with my amazing little baby. 
And then we went and did the frozen embryo transfer. And I once again had a um, early miscarriage. And then that was it. It was, it was a really crazy time. My husband was away again and we were so overly confident that it was going to work, that we had like all the sauce, right? We had the immune suppressant drugs. We had the diet. We did it before. Like it's going to, I'm going to have twins. I put two back in. Um, Beyonce was pregnant with twins. I was getting twin egg yolks, you know, like the signs were there and then it just wasn't. And we knew for us, that was the end of our medical treatment journey. Like I wasn't going back for another round of IVF. Like we were done. We were actually moving countries. We moved to Hawaii. We knew we were leaving the United Kingdom. We didn't know we were coming to Hawaii at that point, but, um, yeah. So I just started living life again. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and not that I wasn't living life before, but I think that infertility infertile, all that BS, I was just like, I let go. I was like, I'm done. We weren't going to use protection. And if we got pregnant, that's great. But I wasn't going to test. I wasn't going to time. I wasn't going to do any of that. And the very first time that we got to try naturally, or we actually just had sex, we weren't even trying, um, I got pregnant and it was so mind blowing. Um, I just couldn't believe that after everything I had been through those eight years, all the medical treatment, all the crazy shit I did in the name of trying to get pregnant, that there was really specific steps that weren't going to be easy at any stage. You know, if someone would have approached me when I was 27, when I started my journey and said, okay, you got to go autoimmune paleo. You got to start meditating. You got to do yoga, you know, like you got to slow down, like all that stuff. I would have told you to F off, right? Like no way. Um, but it was doable. And if the information was presented there for when I was ready um, my journey could have easily been, I could have, I think I could have healed my gut easily within a year and that would have been it. Um, and so now I'm just passionate about, um, just like yourself, just empowering women that whether or not you choose to do IVF, that's not like what we're trying to say, but just waking up to the realization that your body is screaming out to you in the most, in most cases, right. Unless you have like a genetic issue or a structural issue that literally cannot be, um, improved by, you know, functional medicine, everyone can do something to improve their situation and improve your chances of success. And what that now, and this is probably like my real drive is epigenetics and, you know, the, the health and the well-being of our children that we're bringing into the world now. And I think a lot of us going on this journey, we start realizing and unpacking our trauma. And if you can do that before your kid comes, <laughs> it's just a lot easier because your kids, no matter how much time and money it took for you to bring them into your life, they will push your buttons and send you over the deep end. <laughs> no matter how grateful you are. <laughs> yeah. So I want to back up and you said this best. Um, and I say this too, like infertility is a symptom. Mm -hmm. It's not an end result. 
just like your really heavy period or your endometriosis or your PCOS, it is a symptom. And all of these symptoms are here to tell us is this isn't the real problem, Mm -hmm. right? So we can, we can tinker with our estrogen and our progesterone and, you know, we can, we can play in that world or we can unravel the story and see, well, what causes our body not to want to get pregnant? Is it hormonal? Is it inflammatory? Is it rooted in the mental, emotional trauma? And when you begin to unravel that, you get to the real root cause. And so instead of playing whack-a-mole with the symptoms and burning yourself out and trying to micromanage everything out here, getting nowhere, it's like, let's just take a step back. It sounds a little counterintuitive, but look at your gut health, right? Mm -hmm. That could be the one domino that tips all of them over without lifting another finger. No more efforting because our bodies have this innate blueprint within us. We don't think about conceiving pregnancy, growing a baby, birth, breastfeeding. It just happens. It just does. Yeah. So same thing with fertility. Let's not try to outsmart this innate intelligence within our body. Let's leverage it. Let's give it everything it needs to just play out in its most beautiful form. And I think that's what like the root cause approach is so beautiful with fertility is because not only do you see yourself becoming more fertile, like say with more regular periods, but you're also seeing, you're also seeing, well, my, my skin is clearing up. I have focus during the day. I don't feel like an anxious mess. And all of these other aspects of your physical health start to improve as well. Yeah. And then you mentioned that, that emotional piece where if you can dig in, it's a great opportunity to actually heal our trauma. Mm-hmm. And I think you experience this as well. A lot of women coming in, they know that, okay, I know my emotions are playing a role in this. I don't want to feel stressed. I don't want to be obsessed about this. I just want to be free. I just want to enjoy what they don't know is that it's actually rooted in something. Yeah. There's a root cause to your, to your anxiety, to your high achiever qualities, to your attachment to the outcome. And it's usually rooted in a trauma. Mm Mm-hmm. And if we can, again, get to that root cause, pull the weed out or flip the one domino, it's like, wow, I can actually enjoy this. I can let go. I can genuinely trust in the process, not only with fertility, but birth, motherhood, with your career, with just the uncertainties of the world. It's like your quality of life gets drastically better because of that, of that one, two or three, you know, traumas that you were courageous enough to release. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what an epic journey all of that is. And um, I just want to, cause you, you've been on the emotional release train a little bit and what were <laughs> yeah, the high speed. Your toe in a little oh, bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, what were some, is there any like big themes that you notice through your fertility journey through life um, that have maybe kept you back? Like if, oh man, if I would have, you know, released that, just like healing your gut, you know, if I would have been able to release that, I think my journey would have been, you know, drastically better or this or that. Is there anything that comes to mind? Yeah. So it, for me, I think it trickles down to self-love. So if you um, aren't sticking to a diet, if you aren't sticking to your commitments um, or really, you know, 
at least trying to find what works for you, right? Like it took me a year to get into yoga. Like yoga did not happen overnight for me. Um, and it's because deep down you don't love yourself enough. And that's like a really hard thing. And especially for overachievers who are always pleasing someone or like have the like the world thinks they're amazing. You're like doing this, but the truth is that you don't have enough self-love to dial it back to accept that sitting down, reading a book on the couch is what you need to be doing. And that is, you know, taking care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think it's self-love. You have to get that self-love first. And then if you're missing the worthiness piece, that's the next level of it. And I think that's where my last probably two years have been. I feel like I accomplished the self-love um, maybe like at the tail end of my fertility journey. Um, and then obviously having two kids, <laughs> you don't really focus on yourself. But I think being an entrepreneur and trying to build a business, um, you start realizing um, those insecurities like creeping out even more so than maybe they popped up in your fertility journey. I'm not sure um, because you are putting yourself on a stage, right? Like, um, and you, you get just as many knockbacks as your fertility journey gives you. Um, so you start exploring like, okay, well, why isn't this happening or why don't I feel good about this? And um, but those are the two core things I think for everyone. And I just think a lot of us women who are going through this struggle right now, like I'm on the countdown, um, to my 40th birthday. And, um, I think we just all grew up in a society that just belittled, you know, our self-love and we grew up with Britney Spears and Christina Aguilera being as thin as rails. And if you didn't add up to that, you know, like the body shaming and, um, yeah, like it, I think it's, it's changing now. Right. It's, it's, and it's got to change. Like, I think us women now who went through all that, um, are just like, no. Yeah. The wiser <laughs> women of the thirties and forties are like, yeah. Um, hard pass. Yeah. Opt yeah. Out of that. And that's yeah. amazing because we're raising the next generation, you know, exactly. Mm -hmm. And God bless our mothers. But I think they were just so busy trying to, they were kind of that generation of, Oh, I'm going to go work and be a mom and put. So, I mean, they were kind of emotionally distant and they put a lot of pressure on us and it was all about the outside, you know, making sure we all look perfect and don't let the neighbors know that we're going through anything. And that's what puts all this pressure on. Okay. Make sure I can control the outer facade so that everyone knows that I'm doing great. I'm worthy. I'm successful, but really on the inside it is just chaos. Um, the best word that I can put it is just unworthiness, you know, and it's just a constant cloud and spinning in your head of not enoughness. And well, what if I just do more? And yeah, I've definitely seen themes in my own fertility journey carry over into my entrepreneurship you know they just got really loud <laughs> it got a lot louder af yeah yeah exactly um but it's good you know and I think I always say like if you allow your journey your fertility infertility whichever way you want to put it to um expand yourself 
no matter what the end result is, you'll be um, incredibly grateful for it. Um, because without this journey, um, if I just had kids at 27, I, yeah, I'm highly confident that I would be divorced. And um, I'm, I know that I would have always found myself, but I think it would have been a, you know, a lot rougher time for my kids, for my husband, soon to be ex-husband, you know, <laughs> like it would have just been rough for us all. And so, because I was basically forced to do this stuff because I was willing though, um, yeah, it's, it's made me a way better mom. My husband's doing construction. He knows that I'm recording right now too, which is my really husband annoying. is right outside my window too, like spraying the house with water. So you just, okay, I guess our time's up. <laughs> right. That's it. Goodbye. But yeah, it is. It, that's, I mean, I would love to end on that is just encouraging, you know, women, I know you're in the thick of it right now, but there is going to be a time where you look back and you're so grateful for just truly being in the journey and not so focused on just the outcome, the getting pregnant, the having the baby, because whenever we put so much pressure and focus on getting the thing, you know, when we get this, then I'll be happy. We all know that equation never, ever, ever works. And you just keep putting off your happiness, putting off your joy, your worthiness, so just take this opportunity to, you know, dig into the, some of the things that we talked about today, a root cause approach, like digging into your emotional trauma and just taking this opportunity to go deep and heal yourself now, because you are going to be such an incredible empowered mother on the other side of it. And just like you said, Monica, like we all know we're going to get there eventually, but man, if you can use this time now to do that. It's just more opportunities for your baby to learn from mom, learn I am worthy, learn this world is safe, learn that I can do anything and just to trust God, the universe. So any last words, Monica, before we let you go? No, that was beautifully said. Yeah. Um, start putting the trust and the love and the worthiness in yourself and what you desire most likely manifests, manifests in some sort of way. It might not be the way you think it should. <laughs> it's often oftentimes so much better too. So, well, thank you so much, Monica. And we'll definitely have to chat again. Yeah. Um, let's just let everyone know where you, where they can find you on the socials and get in touch with you. Yeah, I'm at Finding Fertility on everything social media wise. And the website is findingfertility.co. So yeah, come hang out and just get the support you need to get through these trying times. Amazing. Love it. All right, love. We will talk soon.